What's up, friends, and welcome to Syracuse Football Post Game, presented by our friends at Krause Health. Find a career you'll love at Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics. Brent Axe, Emily Liker, the Orange are 2 0 after a 48 7 drubbing of Western Michigan at the JMA Wireless Dome on Saturday. And Emily, unlike last week, a lot happened in a 48-7 game, right? Last week was kind of, you know, we found stuff to talk about. Don't get me wrong. That's what we do. But there's some good meaty stuff to get into after this win. So we are going to get into all of it here. You're welcome to join us via voicemail, your comments on everything we're talking about here and on Syracuse Sports as well. The voicemail line is 315-552-1964. We'll put it on your screen there for those of you watching on YouTube. And you can get in touch with us anytime here. And, of course, you can get in touch with Emily on Twitter and email and all the ways to send us your feedback, not only on the show, but all your questions and comments about Syracuse football. So, Emily... Let's get right to it. The big thing on everybody's mind, of course, is a Rondé Gatson. So he goes down the first offensive possession of the game, which, by the way, this in a 48-7 game, maybe this gets washed away a little bit. The start of this game was kind of a disaster for Syracuse. Western Michigan, 75 yards up the gut on the second play of the game. Syracuse gets the ball. Gadsden gets hurt. They step in a big pothole early in this game that, that kind of gets forgotten a little bit here. But let's, as we speak here, tell everybody what we know about Gadsden, the injury, and where Syracuse goes forward uh, with him from here. Yeah, so, you know, I thought Gadsden in- Gadsden's injury would be like the first thing Dino addressed off the board when he got into the press room. And in some regards it was, but it took a little bit more like prodding, I guess, to get the limited details that we did. Um, He gave a more general update on injuries and then a specific update on David Wollabaugh, which we can talk about in a second. But basically what he said about Aronde is that um, they're going to have to take like another 12 to 24 hours until Aronde is able to get in and see the trainers again, probably assess swelling and stuff like that to really know what the timeline is going to be, if this is something he can just work through. Uh, we obviously saw it was a left foot slash ankle injury. Um, he grabbed it like as soon as he went down and then was limping as he went off. He did get off the field on his own accord, it seemed like. Um, but then he went to the tent and then he went to the locker room and obviously he returned on a boot and in a boot and on crutches. So Not a great outlook, especially when you add in the fact that uh, it's actually the other ankle. He actually injured his other ankle in fall camp, which we weren't really able to get out there at the time and also just didn't seem like a huge deal at the time. We saw him like roll it a little bit the last day of camp, but he got taped up and then was like right back out there. So now he's potentially dealing with two hurt feet slash ankles. But we, we don't really know a timeline right now because obviously he played in the last game. He looked fine for the most part. Um, and Dino didn't really have a timeline update tonight as it stands. Yeah. So when he hurt himself, uh, he, he, he was down for a little bit. You could tell he was in pain to me, Emily, it almost looked like a basketball injury. You know, you were seeing a basketball mm. player hurts their ankle. They're clearly in pain, but they can move. They just want to get off the court, get it looked at. It wasn't a situation where he was down for a while. He didn't need help off the field, which I think is an encouraging sign. Mm -hmm. The fact that he came back out. Now, he was on crutches, and he had a huge boot 
on his foot, which, you know, that's uh, certainly uh, to protect it. And that could be a precautionary measure at that point. But look, Emily, I I am not a trainer. I am not a doctor. I just play one on a podcast here. But I have been at games where I have seen athletes tear their ACL, right? Like that that's the big fear for a player Mm -hmm. like Aranda, a key player, is uh, something that's going to knock you out for the year. And I think... A, Dino, as much as they try to guard injury information, maybe would have implied that or it would have been a little more serious in his tone had that been the case. So you know, I've seen athletes that have been devastated by that and the look on their face on the sideline. Aronde was, he was kind of upbeat. He shook his head no a lot. So I think, I don't want to speculate here, but maybe people were asking him things like, are you out or is it an ACL or things like that? And he was going up and down the sideline on his crutches. He seemed to be as as good in, as spirits as you can be in that situation. But now you've got a situation, and you just brought up the key point. He's got two hurt feet now, and that's not good for your number one receiver. And look, what we saw in this game, Emily, and I don't want to get too over the moon here, but... <laughs> This is a good receiving core, and I think they can beat Purdue without Aronde mm-hmm. Gatson, and I think they can beat Army without Aronde Gatson. So if I'm thinking ahead, and I feel like I've got a receiving core, and we'll talk about him a bit more in a second here, where I can get by the next couple of games and hopefully get Aronde back for Clemson if that fits whatever the medical staff assesses, I think you do that. I think you just shut him down because, man, those receivers – they look good, and I get who they're playing here, and I get who they played last week, but talent is talent, speed is speed, and this is a receiving group that is really starting to stand out for this team. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure we're 100% clear. We don't know, like, if that link, that injury from fall camp with the Ronde is, like, like how big of an issue it, it still right. is, if it even yeah. is, um, but it's just worth mentioning that that happened, and so if he is still dealing with it, then there's there's the two feet. Just wanted to make that as clear as possible so people aren't like, oh my God. Um, obviously he played, so he it couldn't have been that bad or he could have been mostly over it. But I think your point about the wide receivers is exactly right. Going into this Purdue game, I, I didn't check what the final score, or it's still going, but so Purdue is currently, as we're recording this, up 24-17 against Virginia Tech. We were talking about this on the way back up to our cars as we were trudging through the rain post-game, but... <laughs> I just don't like think Purdue is going to necessarily be as much of a test as it is, as it was last year. Obviously there's some different variables that they'll have to worry about outside. It's their first road game. Uh, Weather could be bad. I mean, every single game in the country seemed affected by weather this, this week, except for Syracuse's. So, um, but even despite all of that, I, I do think like this receiving core, I mean, you had three guys record over 80 yards this game, which felt impossible in some regards last season. I mean, even at the back half of the season, when like Alfred was starting to rise, um, you, you weren't seeing like that out of this receiving core and it's different faces than we were used to. It's Isaiah Jones, who we've obviously talked a lot about being back from an injury last year. It's Donovan Brown, who let me tell you had, like maybe one of the best post-game interview oh, appearances we've great. seen at Syracuse. He was great. He was phenomenal. He was wonderful. Um, so, I mean, I, I think you just have to 
let Arande rest a little bit. And hey, maybe the rest is just you you leave him out of practice all week because you know he can handle himself on on game day. It's all going to kind of depend, I think, this next 24 hours, what the trainers see and what exactly he's dealing with. So let's look at the numbers a little bit here, what these receivers did with Aronde gets and off the field Donovan Brown who you mentioned three catches 89 yards we'll talk about this in a second but he had one of the most electric plays of the game an 86 yard touchdown where Schrader finds him on the run and he just turns on the Jets and goes all the way Isaiah Jones five catches 86 yards he made a highlight reel catch right in front of the goal line leaped up for it held on to the ball just a, a terrific play for him Umari Hatcher had uh, five catches for 83 yards so you have diversity here it's funny Emily because you know in the past when Dino was asked about you know do you have a number one wide receiver what he would say when he didn't have a number one wide receiver was that it didn't matter with the offense that they ran and the high pace that they went at, and they would have a number one guy every week. And to Dino's credit, he didn't do that with Aronde Gatson. We all knew who the number one guy was, right? But the interesting thing is, Dino and Garrett Schrader specifically, one of the last interview sessions before camp broke, I asked him flat out, and who's your number two? And he did say Damian Alford. And everything we saw at camp, Emily, everything we heard at camp is how consistent Damian Alford was. Alford dropped a wide-open touchdown in this game. He made a great catch on the sideline, but that was his only catch. Now, I'm not discounting Damian Alford at this point. He's in this conversation. But you have got to be really encouraged. If you're Jason Beck, if you're Dino Babers, if, you know, the add to the list here, Michael Johnson, the wide receivers coach, Syracuse fans in general – that these other three guys, notably Brown, look good. There's speed, there's separation, there's athleticism. We mentioned that highlight reel catch that Jones had. I know Alford can do that on the sideline, but man, and I, I know that you wrote about this too, and people can read about it, but that play with Donovan Brown, that was a wow moment in this game. And and he had, speaking of great things to say, what he said about it in the post-game press conference was basically like, yeah, we, we work on this every day. They, they work mm -hmm. on those scenarios in practice, and it certainly paid off in this game. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. I think it, there it was just a lingering question last year, like, do they have someone who can step up behind Aronde Gadsden? And obviously now that Aronde has potentially spent most of this game out and then potentially could be out next week, like, there's still a little bit of that question because he is still – Garrett's favorite target, but there's way less worry about that. There's way more comfort, I think, between Garrett and this group of receivers. I mean, both he and Donovan talked about how they practice this type of stuff and that it's not as on the fly as it seems, even though on that play, I mean, Garrett was like rolling out of the pocket because the O-line was collapsing or whatever um, it may have been. And, and they were just able to go through that like it was routine and get it done. So that was huge for the offense. They aced their first test without Gats, and we'll see what they do going forward there once the competition starts to stiffen up a little bit here. Staying on the offense here, Emily, look, this offensive line, I, I still have questions here. And now you've got David Wallabaugh, who is hurt, and unfortunately that looks like more of a long-term situation there. Of course, the son of uh, the former uh, Syracuse offensive lineman, Dave Wallabaugh, uh, Emily, what did Dino say about that situation in postgame? Yeah, so basically he just said that Wollabaugh is probably going to be out a little while. 
Uh, again, not really super specific, but it was a, a bit more definitive than what we gave on Gadsden. Uh, we saw Woolabaz, it was his opposite foot slash ankle, his right foot, foot ankle, and he couldn't put, I think, I think I'm getting those correct. Watch, I'm going to look back and it's going to be opposites. But Gadsden and Woolabaw were opposite feet. That I know for sure. Um, but he came off the field, could not put any weight on it, completely had to be helped off, went to the locker room, came back on crutches. So, yeah, certainly certainly a loss for Syracuse. By the end of the game, they had three of their depth chart offensive linemen on the sidelines because Joe Moore and Kayla Ellis were also on the sidelines for the second straight week in street clothes. Um, Garrett Schrader did throw us a little bone and tell us that he those did. two uh, are expected to be back this week or that's the plan for them to be back. Thank but, you, Garrett. Yeah, thank, thank you, Garrett. But certainly there are concerns there. And it's interesting because everyone within the program is like, no, like I think the O-line is, is doing well for, for what's going on and having to step up. And I guess to that degree, to that degree, that's true. Um, but there's still just, just a lot of concern there. There weren't a lot of good offensive linemen grades, um, from pro football focus last week. I don't expect they're going to be very high grades again this week. We saw a lot of pressure on Garrett Schrader, um, and just having to scramble and, and Dino tried to write that off a little bit as well. Garrett just likes to show off for you guys so that you guys can bring it up. But there were certainly some times where he was pressured to get, out and move the ball oh, yeah. that he shouldn't have been against a team like Western Michigan. Oh yeah. And that's my concern. It was the case last week. It was the case again this week and Colgate and Western Michigan's defenses. Uh, how can I say this nicely are bad. Okay. When you play a good defense, when you play a good, it could start this week with Purdue, right? You play a good big 10 level physical defense Whoever that first team, even Army, Emily, is a team that's going to come in and just, if anything, they're going to grind you for four quarters. Mm -hmm. This is an offensive line that doesn't appear ready for that. You had the injury to Willabaugh, so you mentioned a little reinforcement coming in next week. That's good news for this team. But Chris Bleich jumped off sides twice again. You know, when we talked to the players earlier this week, I asked Chris what jumped out on film, now that you have a game on film, this season after they beat Colgate. And the first thing out of his mouth was, well, I can't jump off sides twice. Well, guess what? The film this week's going to be Groundhog Day because he did the same thing. And on one of those situations, Emily, they were pinned against their own one-yard line. So, look, these are things you get away with against Western Michigan and Colgate. These are not things you get away with against Clemson. So that's what we're building towards. Clemson has a great defensive line, and that is going to be a massive test for this offensive line, I think they can get away with what they're doing the next three weeks. And obviously Schrader, he's almost more comfortable throwing on the run. But, you know, you, Chris Carlson, and I talked about this walking out of the dome. What happens when Schrader has to scramble? And it could be a Purdue next week. And he got 25 mile per hour wins. You're not going to hit Donovan Brown on a, a, a pass like that. He's got a nice arm and he can throw on the run. But these are control conditions we're talking about here. So, this offensive line is, it is still a question mark at this point. I think that's a fair assessment and we kind of have to see how they develop and worked. They were already adjusting with some new guys in the lineup, Emily, and now they're adjusting uh, due to some injuries already. Yeah. Yeah. Something's definitely going to need to, to change. I don't honestly don't know what they will do to change it because I don't think 
beyond the seven, eight guys they have on the depth chart that can really play. Like there's that much there. So it's just really, I guess, going to have to be getting out those penalties, making sure they don't happen in practice and just making sure all these guys stay healthy, which is easier said than done for sure. Switching over to the defense. Look, they've given up seven points in two weeks. They held Colgate to 106 total yards. The starting defense held Western Michigan under 200 yards. Now, Western Michigan ended up with, let's see here, they had 73 plays for 318 yards in this game, but, you know, a lot of that came in the second half once the starters uh, fleet out of this game. Marlowe Wax flying to the ball. Derek McDonald flying to the ball. Jason Simmons had that awesome pick six. I don't care who you're playing. He got a gift right in his hands as Jeremiah Wilson did against Colgate last week, who had a pick six. That's two weeks in a row that Syracuse has had one. But Emily Simmons had to zigzag his way 84 yards for that score. That's impressive, right? I still don't know how good this defense is. I know this defense has dudes. I know it's got talent. And I like what I see from certain individuals as a unit, though. They've played two, I'm going to be nice again here, challenged offenses the past couple of weeks and I just don't know how good they are is that fair to say I don't know I'm going to push back on that a little bit because yeah they gave up that that 75 yard run from Jalen Buckley who I'll note had a similar run in week one like he's been doing that and probably will keep doing that until Western Michigan gets some really high caliber opponents um but they let that run go and then they shut down the run the rest of the game pretty much, or at least the rest of the first half while the starters were on the field. Wait, let me let me double check because I, I want to get it right. But that run was 75 yards, and the first half, they finished with 72 rushing yards. So they actually okay. lost yards and finished with fewer rushing yards than that run was. So... Yes, that that run didn't look good. And there was a moment where I was in the press box and I was like, oh, my God, we're all of our predictions really far off. And this is going to be a way closer game. And everything has like like I was spiraling for like 10 seconds in my head. But then they cleaned it up. And, you know, the other thing I was noticing in in the box scores I was looking just now is Marla Wax obviously led in tackles again with seven. But behind him is Miles Farmer with six. He's the transfer from Nebraska that came in late and then behind farmer is isaiah johnson and Elijah clark with four apiece so you know what i i think there are guys and i i don't see them having a problem yet playing as a unit i think obviously yes these are these are different caliber teams that they've played so far than they're going to face down the line but that's also why you have these types of games at the beginning of the season is so that those guys can learn to play as a unit here where giving up a 75 yard touchdown isn't as big of a concern because you're going to hold them scoreless the rest of the game versus if they gave up a 75 yard run on the second snap against UNC well then things are probably not going to look so good the rest of the game yeah and last year they saw some pretty high caliber quarterbacks earlier in the year you know you start with Malik Mm -hmm. Cunningham at Louisville Purdue, the big question I have about that game is Aiden O'Connell, you know, was a terrific quarterback who almost single-handedly kept Purdue in that game last year. It was a weird game and some weird stuff happened, some penalties. And, you know, we'll certainly revisit that this week upcoming to the Purdue game, right? And that defense, the mob, held its own until they started 
to see some injuries in the second half of the year. Their depth was challenged a little bit, and they couldn't stop the run in the second half of the season. That was one of the big issues last year. So I'm curious to see what happens when they start playing some better offenses, but when are they going to do that? Purdue's kind of switching around their offense. We'll see what they bring against Syracuse next week. Army is retooling what they are. They're still running the ball, don't get me wrong, but it's not the traditional triple option that you saw in the the weird – I shouldn't say weird, but the uh, Army – really stood out in the dedication it had to the running game and in this day and age where everything is high-flying offenses and passing the ball. Even Clemson, Emily, like they're still trying to figure it out offensively, right? Yeah. I mean, they will Shipley, but we're not sure about Cape Klubnik and what the deal is there. They're kind of anchored by their defense. So, look, if anything, that this defense could benefit from the fact they're seeing a lot of offenses that are either just not good or are reshaping itself or have new coaches or don't have premier quarterbacks in the first five, six weeks of the season. And look, I'm going to go to an old cliche here. You can only play who's on your schedule. They don't care about that, right? So let's see if they keep feasting, I guess. Yeah, and you know, I think one thing to keep in mind going forward into some more difficult games too is that the, the big thing we've heard about Rocky Long from Dino is that Rocky can make good game adjustments. And so if that's the case, and if that, like, that is repeatedly what Dino brings up when talking about Rocky Long is you're going to see his coaching in his in-game adjustments. So, I mean, I think we saw that today a little bit with adjusting after that 75-yarder. We didn't really get to talk to anyone from the defense post game, so hopefully we'll hear a little bit more on that Tuesday. But um, I just think, I think they're going to be okay. And you know what? This is a top 50 top 25 defense in the nation for the past three years if i if i recall correctly so like you've returned most of the personnel i just don't see things again barring injury like last year falling so far off the docket that um the defense would be a concern by the way shout out uh, tony white who in his second game at nebraska uh ran into the the machine at colorado and uh, colorado with another convincing win here uh, in the second week of, of the college football season. And you mentioned Rocky Long and the adjustments. And look, from everything I just said, you're going to get Drake May and Jordan Travis in back-to-back weeks once October arrives. So you're going to go from one extreme to the other. So, Emily, if anything, I'll get my wish at that point to see how they do. You know, But there's no in-between. It's either like, I don't want to say bottom of the barrel, but you're, like I said, teams that are adjusting or don't have standout guys to two of the best quarterbacks in the country right off the Mm -hmm. bat there. So we'll see what the defense is like when they get there. Any final thoughts or things that I did not mention that you feel like uh, deserve a shout out in this game? Okay. This, I, this is less about the game and more just like something I was intrigued by that, that Dino said post game. Um, he got asked about leaving some of the wide receive starting wide receivers on late into the game. Um, unlike Allen and Schrader who got pulled, which I, I don't see the wide receivers in that, that same lens where you pull your starters, like you would a running back or a quarterback, because you're usually rotating most of your wide receivers through anyway. Like I just don't, you just don't do that the way you do with a quarterback or a running back with your wide receivers. So like, didn't really even cross my mind to think about it. But Dino's answer was that Carlos Wilson deserves to have good receivers in to throw to. And I thought that was just a very, honestly, maybe one of the most insightful answers he gave all press conference was like, just the fact that like 
sometimes you do keep top guys in at a position like that so that your second string guys can show what they're about and you're getting Carlos used to those guys now so that if he has to come in, God forbid, in a game against Florida State, if something were to happen to Schrader, they feel comfortable with him doing that. And he feels like he has a connection with that those guys. Because let's be honest, like I doubt Carlos is getting that many reps in practice week to week um, or that he will be moving forwards. And he probably won't get a lot more game reps going forward either these two games were the time to get him in and do that type of stuff so um i thought that answer was interesting i think a, a 1a to that because i agree with you that was the most interesting thing he said but the other thing that popped to me from dino was well two things one is <laughs> kind of funny and the other is something he actually said I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but when he was talking about the offensive line, he was talking about Garrett Schrader scrambling. He mentioned, he didn't say specifically what he was talking about, but he said that Schrader overcomes some issues on the offensive line or the offense itself. I, I don't want to misquote him here, but I think he was talking about the offensive line there and how mm -hmm. Schrader extends plays and is kind of getting by some of the issues they have there. The other interesting thing is both Chris and I got Dino to uh, do the spelling bee in a fun way during uh, the post game when i mentioned to dino i asked him the question um what was it i asked uh all things considered what how do you assess your defense after the first two weeks because I, I i'm not going to get dino to say boy western michigan and colgate are terrible but i did want him to take into account the teams that you were playing and dino's answer was he thinks his defense is G at the beginning, D at the end with two O's in between. So Dino finding yeah. a unique way to spell that. And he answered one of Chris's questions in a similar fashion there. So uh, Dino always keeping it fun. And Emily, one thing that we found out in the press conference in a couple of unique ways is uh, football players, they're just like us. Uh, Garrett Schrader was in a hurry to get out of there because he had dinner reservations. I think Dino was hungry for his fried noodles, you know, his, his victory meal, as he's talked about before, a couple of other players we know were, you know, kind of had, had their, their eyes on their watch the whole time because, uh, Hey, you know, I want to get out, get to that victory celebration. It must've been heck of a dinner uh, reservation that Garrett had to, to, to get out of there gonna, and, and, and go yeah. celebrate that win. Yeah. I was going to say, I was wondering if multiple of them had dinner reservations they need to go to. And if they were all going to dinner together, because, we also, we, there's a couple other people that either didn't show up or came in late, uh, which happens. Uh, but it was just funny that they were like, yeah, we've got, we've got plans tonight. <laughs> I was like, I was Guess like, who else had guys. plans? <laughs> the entire JMA wireless dome yes. emptied out by the, like the middle, like the end part of the third quarter, people were streaming mm -hmm. out of there. It was another crowd listed at 32,000 and change, which that's the number of tickets out the door. The official uh, Brent Axe butts and seats count was there couldn't have been much more than 25,000 people half filled uh, facility as it was a week ago against Colgate. So uh, they had yeah. there's I'll tell you what restaurants uh, in Syracuse, New York on, on a Saturday night working out uh, pretty good uh, for them from from many different angles uh, in the dome tonight. Well, Emily, uh, great stuff as always. Uh, appreciate uh, you coming on here on the podcast and uh, look for Emily's stuff. My stuff, Chris's stuff on Syracuse.com as well. Following this one, the Orange Takedown Western Michigan 
48 to 7 and Syracuse football postgame and Syracuse sports presented by Krause Health, the exclusive health care partner of SU Athletics.